What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. And today is Saturday, so you know that means it's the mailbag episode. So we're going to get into that. Plus, we're going to talk about the NBA in-season tournament, which may be coming as early as the 2023-24 tournament and what the framework of that is going to look like. We're going to talk about all that, plus the mailbag, right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans, so we're going to jump into the mailbag, and we got a, a chock-full mailbag today. But before we get into that, I do want to talk about this in-season tournament. Now, Sam Sharania uh, did did uh, tweet out yesterday that, that they are kind of trying to finalize this in-season tournament. So the framework has kind of been agreed upon. It does have to go up when the uh, uh, when the NBA PA um, and the Players Association and the NBA do do another collective bargaining agreement. Um, so it could be as early as 2023-24. And as the framework is laid out right now is that the cup games would be played in November um, and then eight teams would advance to the single elimination final round in December. And the other 22 uh, teams would then just go on with the regular season. All the games, even the cup games, are just going to be part of the normal 82-game schedule with one extra game just for the final two teams. So this could be, while that doesn't sound like a huge change to the way the NBA schedules, it could be. Because you're then looking at, you, you typically have the framework right now, you play your own division teams um, four times, and you play other Eastern Conference teams either either three, four or three times, just depending on that, and then you face the other conference teams um, two times. So it really could I'm not saying that it's going to be a huge change or anything like that, but it could be a, a decent change just in as far as like the number of times that you play certain teams when you look at the, the, the cup games. Now, the NBA in-season tournament, the biggest thing that's still left out to that is how do they incentivize it? How do they, you know, make it something for players? Now, that was the biggest question that I had when we talked about this initially a couple of months ago when the rumor came out. But now that it's going to be working to the regular 82-game schedule, that kind of changes a little bit of things, right? It's, they still have to make the final game something special, right? Uh, that final, they have to make it worth something. Uh, when you look at the WNBA and the Commissioner's Cup, for example, there, um, it hasn't really, some some of it has had a, 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 a playoff type feel. This year, it was the Sky and the Aces. Some that thought that was going to be a finals matchup, the Sky ended up getting eliminated. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on that, go check out Chicago Sky Central. Should be up by the time I post this. But with that being said, like this in-season tournament, I, I think it does make it a little bit better that it is just going to be part of the 82-game schedule because at that point, you know, it it, it kind of just goes along. You're not adding more games. You're not adding more stress to players like that outside of the final two teams. Um, as they continue to work towards this, is just going to be interesting. They probably had to work it and make it part of the 82-game schedule just to help the uh the players association agree to it. I would I would assume. Uh, otherwise, they probably would have had to add tons of more incentives to that final and to the tournament itself if it, if the cup games were separate from the regular season games. But, you know, we'll see. Everything remains to be seen. Let me know down below what do you guys think. Are you excited about an in-season tournament for, this, for the NBA? And do you think that it's still going to be something special now that we know it's going to be part of the 80 or at least plan to be part of the normal 82-game uh, schedule? But that's it on that one. Before we do go into the mailbag as well, now Bleach Report, who is hit, it's more miss than hit. Let me be clear. I was about to say it's more hit or miss. No, it's more miss. Than anything, but they do have the Bulls ranked as the number two option to land Carmelo Anthony in free agency. Now, I talked about earlier in the week there were some rumors that Boston was now interested with the injury to Danilo Gallinari. Um, and so, you know, what I will say is this, right? Is that 
I, I, I've already have a video on this, so go check it out. So I'm not going to dive too deep into this. Like, if the Bulls do wave Tony Bradley, if they do decide to do that, because at that point, they're not going into the luxury tax. You can add veteran minimum salary. That's if Carmelo also signs for his veteran minimum. It does not force the Bulls to go over into the luxury tax. I would not mind at all Carmelo Anthony being coming into this team, adding a little bit more scoring punch off the bench and a team that, you know, per 100 possessions, we were 29th in the NBA last season as far as scoring. So if you want to have a better offense, uh, especially coming off the bench to add a scoring punch, Carmelo Anthony, even in the twilight of his career, still very much an effective score if you use them in the correct ways. Now, the defense may keep him from playing heavy minutes on the Chicago Bulls team, but, you know, it remains to be seen. And I do like that the Bulls are being mentioned in this. We'll see if they actually end up doing something. We'll see if they even end up actually cutting Tony Bradley. We'll, we'll see. They may just hold on to him for the whole season. We don't know. So, you know, we'll see as things progress and go along. I think really also some of this does to a degree hinge on Marco Simonovic and the thing, how ready they think he's going to be to at least add a scoring punch for this team. We know defensively he's going to he's going to probably take a while to come along, and he may, as I've said, may never be a plus defender in the NBA. But you have to think if Marco is able to provide that scoring punch at the four in probably about twelve to thirteen minutes per game, then do you need to bring like? It's a lot of questions to remain. I want to hear from you guys though. Sound off down below as we continue to monitor and see if or what the Bulls do do in regards to adding anything else to this team over the course of the season if they do not anything coming too long does Carmelo even wait that long to sign the Chicago Bulls all, all remains to be seen but all right that's enough of that let's jump into it the main topic for today are the voicemails it's the mailbacks this is to hear from you the first voicemail we got from today is from eight lives how you doing hey this is uh eight lives man i was calling in to get my take on tomorrow the rose and i had already spoke on uh under drumming and uh i believe yeah patrick uh williams um the Rosa, man, I just, man, I just want to say, you know, the little light that we did get last year throughout the injuries and the COVID, the little light that we did get, most of it came from DeMar. I don't believe that um, the coach, I don't believe that the Bulls was planning on us seeing that offense. Sometimes we had, we, a lot of times we had players standing around watching DeMar do the pump face and all that. I think a lot of that was happening because we was working with what we had. We had a lot of people injured, and uh, Zach was injured. This year, I think Zach probably will be our number one uh, resource of offense, so I believe DeMar not going to have to do as much as he did last year. But I thank him for what he did last year, and I do believe that he's still going to do the same this year, just probably not as many points, because I believe he's going to let Zach get a shine. You know, Zach got the contract, and, you know, Zach not injured, so Zach probably be uh, doing a lot. Um, as far as them trying to say that DeMar have been overrated for the last 10 years, uh, the part that the media is going to leave out is that th this is according to DeMar getting caught up in um, since 2010 with the super teams. That's one thing that they're going to leave out. And uh, so at the end of the day, when it comes to the super team era, DeMar kind of lost in that. He went far. He got to the, uh, you know, the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever. He won him a lot of games. But you could probably say that about a lot of players that they underrated if you're going to compare it to that era because he didn't take that route, just like Damian Lillard didn't take that route. But DeMar is a solid player. The one thing I love most about him is that he's embracing the Chicago Bulls culture and he's represented to 100%. So I'm standing behind him 100%. And I appreciate him. And I already know he, 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 he's here with the Bleacher Report talking about this. Like you said, he's going to use that for fuel. So, man, go Bulls. Thanks. All right. So, shout out to Eight Lives who always 
brings in these thorough and thought out ideas and, you know, talking about DeMar um, and what he what he was on offense and even maybe that taking a step back. Um, there have been some people even in the comments and things like that that have that have argued or said, you know, DeMar shouldn't take a step back. Now, we get into some of the things with Pete Will, so I'll talk about some of that later on. Um, but I do think that at least I would like to see, and that's if that players have to play better, right? Is that DeMar shouldn't be relied on to play that many minutes. He shouldn't have to play that many minutes for the Bulls to be effective. I hope that we see enough improvement from other players on this team where he does not. We can get his minutes a little bit down to keep him fresher for the playoffs. And again, that's not anything to say that DeMar did anything wrong. It's just to say that was a lot of minutes that DeMar and Zach played last season. I hope that we are able to get a little bit better production from some members of the team to kind of bring that down some. Now, Eight Lives brings up something as well that I've been saying since last season. That is, there were a lot of players standing around watching DeMar, watching Zach when Zach was healthy, and not really moving without the ball. One of the things that makes offense effective is the movement without the ball. I've talked about this heavily. Like, that's how you create mismatches. That's how you create uh, passing lanes. That's how you just create things. And one of the best people off the ball as far as movement last season was Alice Caruso. When we saw him go down, we saw that take even a bigger step. When you looked at like Io, who who sometimes shrunk in certain moments or just passed up shots. Let me not say shrunk. That's a little bit more derogatory than what I meant it. But he did pass up certain shots. And there were times where he was just standing around. Same with Kobe. Same even with Zach after the injury. Same with P. Will. Like we saw that in general. Ball movement is going to be key to this team to make this team a super effective team. Now, one of the things that he said as well that Eight Lives I want to talk about is DeMar being overrated because he has never been on a super team. And that is absolutely true, right? Um, yeah, he has had some issues in the playoffs. We all know that. We saw some of it last year for us. It's happened, right? That's not anything to take away or act like it's not truthful because that has happened to a degree. But yes, DeMar didn't have, like, uh, he never joined a super team. Even when you look at, like, Kevin Durant, and yes, Kevin Durant is a better player. I'm not saying that Durant, that DeRozan is the same player as Kevin Durant, but when you look at Kevin Durant and some of his playoff history before he joined the Golden State Warriors he went and joined a super team he had a lot of the same failings he didn't make it to the finals unlike DeMar but still with that so yeah that does affect and that affects a lot of players in the era but really at the end of the day when people look back at it they're not really going to look at this and say oh well the super team so DeMar has to step up some the, the team has to step up some and I do hope that he's better utilized and that he can have the same impact right DeMar having the same impact without needing to be relied on so heavily as far as the number of minutes and just some of the late-game heroics. Hopefully, we're a better-equipped team overall next season for DeMar DeRozan and for the Bulls organization in general. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This one is from, I hate to say this name, but I'm going to say it, Big P. <laughs> What's up, Hayes? This your boy, Big P, uh, a.k.a. The Bulls. Um, having talked to you in a while. Um, I actually have been paying attention to your podcast and um I should be listening to them actually. Um they they've been been fired lately. Um also congratulations on uh locked on bulls as well. That's fire as well. Um I just got a question. Like I understand that the Bulls, you know, it seem like they don't want to go into the luxury tax and, you know, mantras uh, Harold was signed and I felt he would have helped the team. But my question is, um, do you think the Bulls, um, need some toughness, uh, on the team? Um, that, that's my question because it seems like, you know, last year, um, we weren't tough when, when it came down to like when things really got bad, like, can we get out of it? You know, we got that player or 
you know, players that would just say, okay, we got this. Um, I don't feel that we have the toughness on this team, especially after the whole Alex Caruso and um, incident in Milwaukee. Uh, I, w- I don't want to say that other person's name. Um, you drag Caruso down to the ground like he did. Um, I, I don't know if we actually have the toughness. And I know it's in the playoffs. Like, you really have to be hard-nosed and a tough team to, like, make it through the next round. So, um, just question, uh, do you think this team is actually tough enough actually to uh, make it uh, farther than they did last year? Uh, thanks a lot. Appreciate your, your work that you've been doing. And uh, can't wait till the season starts. The Bulls. All right. Uh, so, you know, first, I want to say thank you for all the love. Thank you for supporting this channel, Locked on Bulls. Everything, listening to the podcast, I appreciate you. And thank you for supporting this. As far as do the Bulls need more toughness on this team? Yes. And I think we added some of that with Drummond. Dalen Terry may give us some of that as well. I think also having playoff tests, you may see a little bit more of an edge from players like Io, players like Patrick Williams, and things like that, even Zach Levine. But yes, we do need a little bit more toughness. You hear Bulls fans all the time talk about a dog, right? We need a dog on this team. And some, some of that is needed. When you look at championship teams, most of them have at least that one player or a couple of players that just are just tough and just get it done. We had a one for a long time in this organization in Joe Kim Noah, right? Joe Kim Noah was just a player that just got stuff done. Sometimes he played above what you would look at his skill level to be because he was just a player that's just going to be tough. He's going to get it done. He's going to step up in the in the big games. He's going to he's going to give you tough defense. He's going to not shy away from 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 tough shots or, or tough situations. He's going to stand up for his teammates. Yes, we need some of that on this team. And I hope we we see some players, some of the younger players develop into that over time as well. But yes, we do need some of that. And I think we've added some of let's see now with the second year of some of these players. I should say the second year of this team being together. Some players are more than their second year, as well as the addition of Andre Drummond, some veteran leadership in Goran Dragic. And let's see what we have in this team now. If and as well, this team getting punched in the mouth the whole second half of last season after the All-Star break and in the playoffs. Hopefully that helps some of these players develop some of that toughness that we aim and want to see from this team. All right. That's it on that voicemail. Thank you again, Pete, for, for sending that in. Next one is from Jamal. What's up, Hayes? It's your boy Jamal back again with another voicemail for you. Uh, sorry, it's been a minute, but, you know, life is life. Um, just calling in about your latest video uh, regarding whether or not uh, the Bulls are building a championship contender now or if they're trying to build one later on down the line and giving my thoughts on it. Um, I definitely do think that, AK and Mark Eversley are trying to build a championship contending team. I have no doubts about that. But I think they're attacking it from the perspective of while Rome wasn't built in a day, it definitely burned down. Let's look at the, the course of the last decade of championship contending teams um, or teams that have won the championship. You have um, the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. They beat out the Miami Heat. Even though the Miami Heat was more talented, Dallas had probably more experienced veterans on their team that had more playoff experience. And that's saying a lot. And that, and they won. You know, then you have the Miami Heat. Who did they beat? They beat, um, the, uh, OKC Thunder, right? That was a team. Miami was a team that was more talented than OKC, but they also had much more experience when it came to winning in the playoffs than the OKC Thunder did. Same thing, you know, 
with between that, that battle between them and the Spurs those two years. That was those two teams that had great playoff experience. But even then, outside of what, maybe Golden State in 2015, who had never been in the finals, but also many people in, on that Cleveland team had never been to the finals as well. But outside of that, when you look at the championships after that, it was all basically being won by teams that had, you know, more experience than the, the opponents that uh, they went up against. You know, Golden State and, and, and Cleveland both have probably the equal amount of experience. But then you look at the Raptors. Most of the people on the Raptors teams have been to the playoffs and, and things like that and been competing for years versus that Golden State team where it was really just Steph and Draymond and they were injured. Then you go on to Miami versus the uh Miami versus um uh the Lakers in the bubble and it was the Lakers who had the more experienced players, you know, and things like that. Even when you look at the Phoenix Sun last year versus the Milwaukee Bucks, outside of Chris Paul, no one on that Phoenix Suns team really had that much experience in the playoffs, whereas the Bucks had been getting knocked out multiple years. Um and and things like that. Even last this past year Golden State had experience in the finals versus uh, the Boston Celtics. So I think AK and Mark Eversley are looking at it from the perspective that, yeah, they want to build a championship contending team, but they also understand that they're not going to win one. And Jamal always has some great insight. And this one, you know, the Bulls been a, building a championship team. I think that's what, you know, and I understand that. I call it the microwave mindset. You know, that, that's just what we live in nowadays. That's with all media sports music every everybody just wants this easily digestible thing this quick turnaround thing and sometimes when you have the quick turnarounds you you burn out just as quickly i think what ak and eversley are doing here with chicago is that they are building a team that can play now that's fun to watch that's a playoff team that's building the good habits that's that's getting to the playoffs to get some of that playoff experience things like that and they're waiting to make their true championship move or seeing if a player takes a huge leap to push them into that championship contention, then they can do some some more creative things out on the fringes with money, things like that. That's what I think is happening here. And do I think it's the correct way to go? Yes. Is it the way that is the easiest for, for fans to digest or just to think that their team's doing something? No, it's not. It's going to take a minute, and we're going to see some tough games. We're going to see some, some tough playoff losses in series over the course of the time until we truly get that and we either get another star in, we develop another star, things like that is I think what's going to happen when you look at how AK built the Denver Nuggets they were a tough team he got lucky in a lot of drafts but it wasn't until Jokic really came on and even then they're still not they still haven't won a, a title right so it, it 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 takes time everybody wants this quick thing and then of course you got the keyboard warriors that go to the trade machine and think oh well, I came up with a deal that that makes us a championship team why aren't AK and Eversley doing this it's not that easy in real life this isn't 2k this isn't the trade machine it's going to take time and i for one am, am willing to go through that journey because guess what if, if if that ultimately ends with us having a a team over a five eight year stretch that just has given us these amazing runs yes but we do need to see it right there is a ticking time clock on that until we actually need to see the fruition of that but yes i am willing to go through that process rather than just do something quick give up a bunch of a young players and a bunch of draft assets we've already given up some to then just be a middling team or to or to maybe make it to one finals and then completely fizzle out so that's my thoughts on it again as i've said before i haven't seen a deal that the bulls have passed up that have truly made that would have truly made us a championship contender as of yet so that's why i think on that one all right let's go ahead and get off this let's get into the next voicemail this one's from marvin what's going on guys it's marvin man 
Yeah, I just wanted to throw some numbers out to you guys that look like they were pretty interesting to me and pertaining Patrick Williams. Well, I want to start off by saying I know we all feel that we need to see a lot more from Patrick Williams. But I did want to ask the question, is that true? Or is the Bulls organization, have they showcased him enough, and will it come? And my answer to you guys, I think, is I think it's coming, guys. Listen to these numbers. Now, we all know at the beginning of the season, he, he got hurt early against New York. And actually then, in that first month, he actually averaged only 25 minutes a game, 4.6 shots a game. He averaged 6 points a game, along with two rebounds. And I do want to start by saying also he needs to get his rebound up. Well, he was out five months, guys. So when he coming back, when he came back at 321, they were giving him 20 minutes a game. He was only averaging four shots a game, but mind you, he shot 48% from the field, and he only averaged five points and four rebounds. Again, I say I need to, I feel he needs to get his rebound up. But at the end of that month, on 329, Billy had a change of heart. He gave him 25 minutes against Washington. Now, mind you, small sample size, a two of five from the field, six points. But the following game, when he played against the Clippers, he had 37 points. I mean, 37 minutes. He had four four from the field, 12 rebounds, uh, 10, 10 points. His fourth in his career double double. Now we go into four uh, to the fourth month, and there was a tough tough stretch down the road, and we was playing, you know, to really to save our lives. And we played Miami, Milwaukee, and Boston three in a row. We lost all three games, but Pat got 30 minutes, 32 minutes, and 26 minutes. Progression of Billy Donovan getting him more minutes. The first game, he had 12.6 rebounds. Second game, 18.6 rebounds. And then the, uh, the third game against uh, Boston, he had struggled a little bit. He only had five points and five rebounds. In the game four, he actually had 20 points and 10 rebounds. Game five, 23 and one rebound. All I'm going to say is this, while shooting free, free throw percentage was okay, but shooting over 50% in both of those playoff games. Small sample size of what's to come, guys, in this upcoming season. Hopefully we can get that from Billy. Stay healthy, guys. And I think we got a nice season coming with them. Patrick Will. Picture those numbers, guys. If we can get 30, over 30 minutes a game and then getting over 9 to 10 shots a game, he's going to give us 17, at least 17 points and 6 rebounds. And I think he can get his rebounds up. So just wanted to leave that, man. See what you think about it, man. Peace out. Later. All right. Pretty long one for Marvin there, but it was great. Thanks for the information. This is what I'm going to say to this one, on, on, on to Marvin's point. For everyone who's saying Patrick Williams needs to be more, and look, let me say this too. Yes, he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to take shots more confidently, but I have a couple of stats here that I'm going to bring. Patrick Williams has only averaged 3.5 to 7.2 shots per game in his NBA career, and has been shooting that at a great clip. He's only had 15, this is regular season, has only had 15 of 88 games played in the regular season, in which he's, he's got over double-digit shot attempts. Now, get this. In those games that he's got, those 15 games that he's gotten double-digit shot attempts, he's averaged 18.7 points per game, right? Marvin went into playoffs and things like that. I'm just keeping it at a regular season. Playoffs are a different beast. So in the regular season, you mean to tell me a player that was the fourth overall pick has only gotten double-digit shots 15 games of 88 games? That is not normal what you see from a fourth overall pick because most fourth overall picks Go to teams that are bad and they're able to just get a have a lot of opportunity to develop good habits, things like that. Patrick Williams has not gotten that many shots in his NBA career. Now, some of that is him passing up on shots. Also, some of that is the coaching staff not going to him. That's facts. You can go and look at it. I went through and counted every single game. That isn't something I just pulled up from a different website. That's a stat that I literally went through game, the game-by-game game log from his rookie season and counted the number of games that he got double-digit shots. He's on, only 15 games. And in that, to then ha average 
18.7 points per game in that time, and most of those games was a rookie. He only got one game in the regular season this season in which he got, this past season in which he got double-digit shot attempts. So 14 of those 15 games were in his rookie season. 18.7 points per game when he gets double-digit shot attempts. Yes, and that's not even counting the assists. That's not counting the rebounds. Yes, he needs to be a better rebounder per per Marvin's points there. But this is what I mean by saying when, when I talk about the coaching staff needs to find a way to work him into the offense a little bit more. Whatever that means. That also means that Patrick Williams has to be more aggressive. That's not taking the onus off him either. He needs to take and not pass up as many shots. But what we're seeing with the with the percentages that he shoots it at, the clip that he shoots it at, is that he's an effective shooter. He just needs to build up that confidence and do it more. But we're seeing, yes, there are some games in that, even though he's had double-digit shots where he's got six points, seven points. But to have that average overall when you get double-digit shot attempts, and again, this is a very small sample size. But it at least shows enough there that it's some promise there. And again, I go to offense, I go to that because that's what a lot of these fans are talking about when they talk about Patrick Williams. They just want to see him be, uh, input more offensively. He has to be given the opportunity. And yes, there's been a lot of promise shown there. And that's again, that's not even counting the playoffs, which Marvin gave you those playoff stats. Patrick Williams has a lot of potential. When you start looking at these things and, and outside of just a, a cone, you start seeing why this front office believes in Patrick Williams as much as they do. All right, let's get into this last voicemail. This one is from the 630. Hey, what's up, Hayes? So just wanted to kind of uh, throw a couple uh, thoughts out there or a couple ideas and things I was thinking about about today's show. It was a good topic. It was on uh, Patrick Williams and everything. So a couple things I was thinking about. And I'm a Bulls fan. I love the Bulls. I love watching the team. Uh, they did a lot of good things last year. I think just the unfortunate injuries kind of uh, kind of messed everything up. But um, this is my my take is on Patrick Williams. I really love Patrick Williams. I just think that everybody is like they. Some people are impatient with him. Some people think like, okay, he's not put, producing offensively enough and and things like that. So this is my take on it. I think that. Um, as far as like AK and Mark Eversley betting on him, I think that they should not trade him. I think that they literally got one. I think that potentially he could be a superstar. Um, I think he could be a star and a superstar, potentially. And I think that the problem is this is that when it comes to, uh, P. Will, like, I don't think it's most, like a lot of people say, oh, it's confidence that he needs to take those shots. This is how I look at it, and if and obviously when it comes to the coaching staff, they have to. Um, you, I mean, some people argue like, okay, they have to do a better job of putting in a position to you know to uh, take those shots and, and run offense to him, which I agree with that. So my thing is this: when it comes down to P. Will and his production or potential, like getting to that level of superstardom, I think that like. The worst thing you could do is when you got like a young player and they show flashes of everything, you don't ever want to put them in an environment where they like hindered from uh showing those flashes. I'm not I'm talking about excluding the injuries because you can't control that. Like last year he hurt his wrist or whatever. You can't control that. What I'm speaking about is like, okay, you saw like the Minnesota game. He was putting up all these points. But the key to that was he was in an environment where the offense was ran through him. Zach didn't play, but I think that the issue is this, and I know a lot of people may disagree with this, 
and I'm a DeMar DeRozan fan. It's, it's not that I don't think DeMar should be on the team. And I, I just disagree with DeMar having a high shot volume. And like last year, like, okay, he had to do all, take all those shots. But I think that the, the shot volume uh, has to go down for DeMar. This kind of goes along with the last voicemail. People are impatient with Patrick Williams. And Patrick Williams may never be a superstar. Could he be a star? Could he just be a really, really good two-way player in the NBA? Yes. Now, it's not he didn't he didn't control where he was drafted. I know some people with a fourth overall pick you need to get a star. That doesn't happen. Most people who are drafted don't turn into superstars, especially ones of like a Patrick Williams who didn't he hasn't played basketball very long. What they were, I don't think what AK and Eversley were hoping to get with Patrick Williams was necessarily a superstar. I think that they saw a young player that was going to be versatile, that was going to add to the or make the way that they can build out a roster very flexible. And that was going to give them some a two-way playership. And then you hopefully you have some other things around them. Now, could he develop into a star? Absolutely. Absolutely. Superstar, every year that goes by and you don't make that leap, I, I, I give it less and less to be a superstar in the NBA. But Patrick Williams has a ton of potential. And per the last uh, comment in which I talked about his shots, attempts, things like that, I really do hope and think we're going to get that to come along with Patrick Williams over time. I really do. I really do. But that is it for the voicemail bag today. Again, you guys know if you get more voicemails in, we'll have another voicemail back on Sundays. That's what we do here. Um, make sure you follow the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. BullCentralPod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and or voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We're the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.